Hi, everyone. I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 32 of Yoga Land. On today's episode, I think this is my first repeat guest. I don't really, I guess I don't really count my husband, Jason, as a repeat guest because he's, he's part of the family. But today I'm having Stephanie Snyder back on the show. As you probably know, Stephanie just opened a new yoga studio in San Francisco called Love Story Yoga. You should come check it out if you are ever in the area. And you should also check out her classes because she has the best playlists ever. She really does. She takes the whole integrating music into a vinyasa flow class to an art form. And she also chants in her classes and her chanting is um, just incredibly uplifting and connecting. So I wanted to talk to her about having music in yoga class. And for those of you who follow Jason and I on our blog, you, you were probably saying to yourself, this is kind of ironic because Jason just wrote a blog post praising the quiet class, you know, not playing music in class. So lest you think that Jason and I agree on every single thing, <laughs> me creating this podcast will help you know that that we don't agree on every single thing and that I have often enjoyed going to classes with music uh, played in them, probably in part because I have a background in, in music and in dance and in theater. And um, sometimes I just love the feeling of having music guide me through a yoga class. So Steph and I have a great conversation about why I use music in class, how to use music in class, what's her intention, and lots of other great tips. And I also want to just mention that the the band that you hear on this episode at the mid-roll and at the end of the podcast is Young Moon and they are a San Francisco band that Steph often uses in class and they were kind enough to uh, share their music with us for the podcast. So enjoy it. So I want to just say as we start this conversation that I see the irony in the fact, I don't know if you know this, but Jason just last week wrote a blog post for our blog. I did actually see that. <laughs> called, yeah, called In Praise of the Quiet Class, where he talks about how he has never played music in his classes. And um, I said to him like two days after he published it, I was like, so I'm going to have Steph on the show again. He said, oh, what are you going to talk about? And I said, um, well, I just really love her playlists and I want to talk to her about music. And he's like, great. You know, I mean, like without hesitation. And I think, you know, what that speaks to is just, the whole idea of like different strokes for different folks. Yeah. You know, and also just different approaches to a yoga class at different times for different reasons. So for this episode, I really just want to talk about the benefits of music, kind of the logistics. And let's actually start there. Let's start with like, you always chant, which by the way, oh my gosh, your chanting is so beautiful. Oh, seriously. Like I was, when I was in your class a few weeks ago, and you were chanting. At a certain point, I was like, is this a recording? It was so beautiful. It was like so um, resonant in the space, too. It was really nice. So you oh, you always chant in class, don't you? Like for Always, yeah. I begin and end every class with chanting. Let's start there. So why, why do you chant in class? For Just like, why do you like to do it? There are a few reasons I like to chant. One is it's an easy pranayama exercise. So it's a way to get people into their breath um, that's not too formal. And when we sing together and we breathe together, we come together. It's also a way, not only just syncing up as a group, but 
mostly people are sort of rushing into class. They have a lot going on in their mind, in their head, their life. And it's a way to help fix the mind on something good and help create this more sort of sattvic, we would say sattvic state for the student. So this is more of a pure, even, positive, light, sort of lightness of being. And then the other reason I chant is, you know, my personal practice is very devotional and I want to remember that I'm the teacher, but that there's sort of this universal teacher and that I'm just there as a guide. And I want to invite this sort of higher power or, or ancient wisdom of the practice into the room and also ask for sort of blessing and protection before we move forward into the class. Yeah. So there's lots of reasons why we change. And then you close the class. I can't remember if we did a full chant or if we just chanted Om at the end of class. No, no, no. We always, uh, the end of the class is when I, I use my harmonium and uh, we do a full chant and they're always sacred mantra. The chants that we we sing, but they're kirtan, you know, so it's casual. It's not like Vedic chanting. Mm-hmm. This is also just to sort of seal the practice and help people leave with this vibration, this very high vibration in their body and in their minds. I've noticed, I mean, I will come to one of these events now that Love Story is open, but I haven't been to one yet. I've noticed that sometimes you pair up with Kevin Parrish, like with other musicians. Mm -hmm. Do they lead the chanting or is it, do they provide music like throughout the class, live music throughout the class? Yes, uh, Kevin Harris, Nat Kendall, and DJs also. Um, I've paired up with DJs a lot, and they'll play the entire class. And you know, the people I pair up with are yogis, and they completely understand the class and the flow of the class and the importance of sort of you know the nuance of of how to play in tandem in a way that's collaborative with me as the teacher and the students and their experience. So it's, it's super beautiful. And the students are always really moved by the live music. I mean, it just adds that extra sort of mood, you know, that Bob, we call it the divine mood. So it's, it's really special. How much do you coordinate with them ahead of time in terms of like, like the class that I took with you recently, I really love the playlist because it was just a very like ambient kind of, moody kind of playlist that really actually did kind of encourage introspection, I felt. Do you talk to them if you're playing, if you have live music, do you talk to them ahead of time about like what the feeling is going to be for that particular class or um, how much do you coordinate? Sometimes if I play festivals and conferences, I will be paired with a DJ I don't know. And then it's really important to sync up and let them know, you know, the arc of the class, where we're going to be at and any kind of preference that I have, and then also empower them to do their thing so that we can really collaborate. But the people that I have come to my, most of the people that I collaborate with, I know very well, and we're already in sync. So they know my class. They also know how to just sort of read the room and watch me and play off of kind of where I'm going and what I'm saying even, you know. So not too much coordination. It's better not to over-coordinate, I mean, for sure, because you kind of want to let some sort of creative magic happen. Yeah, I actually feel that way about the podcast. Whenever people want to, like, talk to me ahead of time before an interview on the phone, I'm always like, yeah, we'll talk, but I'm not going to, like, give you the questions because you're going to tell me all the answers, and then you're not going to want to say them again. Yeah, <laughs> it just it's feels the best awkward. Of the moment. Yeah. I agree, totally. 
I, I kind of like went ahead a little bit. Let's just back up for a moment and talk about like why have music in, in a yoga class? You know, if you and Jason were like on a panel and you were like point and counterpoint and he made his point, like what would you, you know, what, what would your point of view be in terms of playing music in class? Yeah, no counterpointing here. The way I look at it is, uh, you know, there's lots of different yogas. You know, there's Hatha and there's Iyengar, there's Kundalini, there's Ashtanga. And so based on your constitution, you'll find the yoga that's best for you. And I think, thank God, there's so many choices because we have so many kinds of people. And there's a time and place. I mean, there's definitely a beauty to that very silent, quiet practice. For me, you know, my preference is my, my relationship with vinyasa is that vinyasa yoga, which is the kind of yoga I teach, is inherently rhythmic. We're breathing in rhythm. We're moving to the breath in rhythm. And the music complements that. So like you were saying about, about my playlist before, you know, hopefully my playlist is complementary to the work that we're doing and not, you know, overly distracting or overly contrived. You know, I'm never trying to create an experience with the music. It's more to help the group come into flow and really sync up and come together. So that's one reason. And I also think humans are rhythmic beings. You know, we have brain waves, we have a heartbeat. We're very, we engage easily with rhythm. And I think that that helps us plug into this sort of a this deeper, more raw space within ourselves where we get to have this sort of question and answer investigation. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that I like about music in class is that it can also just encourage like a really celebratory mood. Like, and I feel like sometimes yoga spaces can get a little overly serious. <laughs> and again, like I, I totally agree with you in that it's, it's all about time and space. And there's, of course, there should be a lot of like serious self self study and getting quiet and like not being distracted and, um, just really, really tuning in. But every once in a while, or even like once a week, it's nice to just let go a little bit. I don't know if you know this, but my parents used to live in Scottsdale, Arizona, and that's where at one yoga was. And, I used to, every time I would go there, I would go to like their hip hop class, their hip hop <laughs> yoga class. And that was like the music that I knew in yoga. And I think that is sort of in some ways what some people are, feel, if people sort of have an anti-music stance, like that might be the only experience they they know is like like pop music or hip hop music or loud music or, you know, kind of even in the hip hop class, there were even were some like offensive moments. Right. Music, you know what I mean? Which was... I was there knowing what I was getting myself into, so it wasn't a problem for me, but I could see that that could be kind of a problem. So I guess I'm wondering, I don't know how long you've done music in class, but like, when did you decide that you wanted to start doing it? And like, how long did it take you to figure out what your approach would be? Did you kind of take it from what you were doing at home? It took a lot, actually. Well, but see, sometimes I'll listen to music at home that I would not play in a class because I try to be more sort of sensitive to the masses with the music that I choose in class. And sometimes you can listen to something a little more rajasic at home, a little more like active that maybe it would be not so appropriate in a, in a big group. So I've always played music. You know, I started with the Shtanga Yoga and there's obviously no music in, you know, doing primary series. And so I would teach primary series. And then I started to move into teaching vinyasa. 
And part of the vinyasa is there is some sort of creative flow. I mean, you're, you're creating different sequences and complementing that with music seemed just very, very natural. But I think I had some horrible playlists in the beginning, I have to say. <laughs> I definitely made some mistakes. And, and I didn't figure that out until I was in the room and realized, whoa, this is definitely not working, you know? So I, I really do think it's an art. I always say my playlists are like my second full-time job. Yeah, I mean, it's extremely I mean, I can Yeah, it's, and it's great care. I mean, every song is picked. I've listened to the whole thing. If I can't hear every word, I go online and look up the lyrics to make sure that what's being said in the room is appropriate. So it's, you know, it's with great care and, and love. And I, hopefully that comes through. And I think that's part of what is helpful with the, um, how the music sort of helps the process. But yeah, there's no profanity in my songs. And that's just a personal choice. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I know a lot of people like hip hop. And by the way, if that's fun for someone and that's what gets them into do yoga, great, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but the playlists are very curated. It's and it's something that I think I've sort of gotten better at over time. Yeah, I'm sure. It's like I'm sure there's like a ramp up. So, can you think of like any common mistake that you could share that that would help other people if they're just starting out putting a playlist together? Well, I mean, just off the top of my head, one thing is there are certain beats that are really low and or a little fast that like on your computer or at home are one thing, but when you get into the four walls of a studio, become overwhelming. So being having a sensitive ear to how this is going to translate in the yoga room. The other thing that I've learned is, you know, early on, I would do all of these, like, you know, most cathartic songs. Like every song had to be super, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and it's just too much. It ends up being super, very contrived. And so, uh, you know, you want to have, like you said, a lot of my music now is much more ambient. So I'm not taking the student out of their experience um, with a song that's like sort of very, very um, specific about love or heartbreak or, you know, anything like that. So keeping the music a little bit more neutral, I think, is is helpful. I really liked that because, you know, I've been in those classes where like the Shavasana song is like the total tearjerker and you're laying there like, hallelujah. <laughs> and you're just like, did I really want to have this kind of Shavasana experience? Like it, it's nice to have the catharsis, but it's also just like it, you kind of said it sort of takes you outside of yourself a little bit. Right. Like you're not necessarily having an authentic experience. You're just guided by this, um, the in- emotional intensity of the music. Yeah. You don't want to try to give someone an experience. You want to create a scenario where they have their own experience. That's your right, right, right. So, how much do you vary your music? And like, how do you have a playlist that you use for like a week or a month? And or do, how do you do it? How do you kind of because you it, it does seem like it would be a major part of the job, time consuming. It is time consuming, um, but you know, as a teacher, the music helps me too. It's uplifting. Um, so I usually make one new playlist a week, if not more. And it's part of when I'm planning my sequence, I'm planning the playlist along with it. And I always have some cushion. I always have some extra songs in there that I can cut or move forward to if we end up going a little you know, faster or slower or whatever it is. So I have wiggle room. So the playlist I curate once a week, if not more, to support the sequence that I'm going to be teaching. So it goes with the arc of my class in actually a pretty specific way with 
space to make adjustments that are necessary in the moment. So I didn't even realize that you can like, just, you can make adjustments in the moment with your playlist. That's, yeah, that's technology for you. Well, no, no, no. Like what I'll do is I'll have this, I'll have a lot of of music in there and maybe we're going to not do core. And I thought we were going to, and I can skip that song and go to something else, or we're going to do, you know, a little bit more of an active Suri Namaskar. So I can have an extra sort of more rhythmic song that I can go to, or I can skip it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I I give myself, depending on the room, because I don't want to be beholden to my playlist, obviously. I have to be teaching the people who are in the room. Right. And then for like three hour workshops, I have some uh, playlists that are, you know, I reuse over time because that's, it's a, it's a big chunk of music and it really works for that workshop. How much do you vary the style of your music? Not very much. I mean, I think it should be, it's consistently what it is over time. It it inherently changes, um, but very, very slowly. So there was a period of time where all my music was sacred mantra and sort of more kirtan based. Now I have a few sacred mantra uh, songs in every playlist, but it's much more ambient actually. And, you know, I might shift a little bit uh, again, but it's a sort of a slow progression that happens naturally. So I think, you know, one of the things I offer as a teacher is a consistent experience and the music is part of that. You know, we were talking a little bit before I started the call about like the tradition of sound in yoga and that it's not like completely out of left field to include sound in an asana class. So can you talk about that just a little bit? Sure. I mean, the arts are celebrated in yoga tradition and actually an integral part of the teaching. So the sacred texts were originally sung in verse. You know, Bhagavad Gita is a song. And we have Saraswati, the mother of the arts, you know, a very celebrated goddess who actually plays the Bina, and Lakshmi, who celebrates beauty and grace. And we have classical Indian dance and kirtan and, you know, the sacred mantra. So music is a huge part of the yoga tradition. It's, and um, it's, it's, so it's not at all unusual or it's not necessarily a Western thing that we've adopted. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love what you said in the beginning about it being a way to um, kind of connect with your breath immediately. I'm just remembering that when, you know, I used to sing like growing up and in college and a little bit actually, even as an adult, I sang at Glide. And if I was going through like a particularly difficult time, I always just wanted to sing. And once I started doing yoga, I realized it was, it was because of the breath. It was because after I would sing, I was breathing so differently and so much more deeply that I felt so much better. Like it just has that physiological effect. Definitely. Singing is very uplifting for lots of different reasons. Yeah. How do you, do do you publish your playlists? Uh, What I do is I use so many different, I get it from, you know, I get music from SoundCloud, from iTunes, from Spotify, from all over the place. So uh, what I do is I send out one playlist a month about 
And it's sort of like the, the greatest hits from the playlists I've used that week or that month, sorry, from week to week. So I will send that out once a month and because pe people really like the music and they're always asking me about the music. And if someone wants to see the music after class, I'm happy to share it with them. But that seems to be the easiest way to get it out there. Or I'll, I'll publish it to my Facebook page also, the playlist. That's nice because then you could practice at home to the same music or just like be on the train or whatever. Yep. And I share my playlist with the teachers at Love Story Yoga where I teach yoga. So they have that as a resource also. Obviously not all of your teachers play music at Love Story in class because Jason is one of yeah, them. Yeah, right. <laughs> but do most of them do most of them play music? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Jason's the only one. Um which is fantastic and a great compliment to, you know, uh, he and I sort of tag team the evening classes and it's perfect. Yeah. Um, but we even have Neil who uh, plays classical Indian music and he plays the drum. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, classical Indian music is very devotional and it's a, it's a practice of yoga in itself. So, you know, we have rags and the Vedic chanting and the kirtan is more casual, but there's very specific practices around music and yoga. Yeah, so Neil plays the drum in class. It's very cool. Do you ever think about doing um, – every guest I talk to, I'm always like, do you ever think about doing an online course? Because <laughs> I'm so – I'm such an online learner. But, you know, do you ever think about doing just like a workshop, a live workshop or an online course to help people figure out how to build a playlist? I would definitely be open to that. I think, you know, there are sort of pointers, but the thing with music is it couldn't be more subjective. Yeah. So the most important thing is that the teacher feels connected to the music personally and that it helps sort of inspire their teaching or is a compliment to their teaching. And um, that that's your best chance. But yeah, there's pointers. Sure. Maybe I'll do something online. Yeah. Like pace. I mean, I mean, I would think that pace would be a pretty hard thing to figure out in the beginning. Yes. Pace. Well, you need to practice to it yourself too. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's a big part of it because then you'll feel, you might hear something, you know, be playing something in your car and think this is amazing and then you practice to it and you're like, it's a little much, you know? Right. And how often do you use music at home when you're practicing? Almost always. It really helps me drop in. You know, for me, art comes from a place that is pure, that is deep, that is very raw. It evokes sort of deep, raw feelings in the the experiencer. And for me, the music and any kind of art helps me drop into that raw place. And that's sort of what I'm after in my practice. So the only time I don't use music is if my children are playing quietly downstairs and I'm upstairs and I see my mat and I can like steal a few poses <laughs> <laughs> without detracting any attention. <laughs> I love that that's like a, a yoga mom's, you know, like secret shame. Like my children are playing and I'm going to, it's not like I'm going to steal a few nips of wine. It's like, I'm going to steal a, steal a few yoga poses. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so true. Oh my gosh. Um, well, thank you so much. I'm like I said, I loved, I love your playlists and I totally see the value in both. And I'm just excited to come and experience some live music at your studio too. Yeah, we have tons of music at the studio. So they're, you know, probably once a month we have a musician or a DJ or something like that. And it's just a big part of the experience there. So yes, I can't wait to see. Yay. Thanks, Steph. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. 
Thanks so much for listening. You can find show notes for this episode at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 32. And I'll have links to Young Moon's website and their new album, Cult. I want to give a special shout out on this episode to Daniel Schaefer, who produces this podcast and deals with the occasional audio disasters that I send him. He does a really good job with those. And thank you for listening. Until next week, enjoy your practice. Take my advice and just walk toward the light. Just walk toward the light. I said, please.